When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So it turns out that Liam, the editor of this podcast, had met me long before he started editing this podcast. Have you heard this story? I have not. I didn't know that. When did he meet you? (laughs) He met me at EGX in the year of our Lord 2017. Uh, I just published my 100 Best Video Games That Never Existed book and was promoting it at the event by walking around with a traffic cone attached to an iPad with a garden hose, which I claimed was a game called Tuba Hero. And there was an animation sure, that, yeah. that played on the iPad. And this is before Trombone Hero, so just to get it in there that I was the inventor of that, that idea. <laughs> okay. um, and Liam just piped up on the Discord the other day saying that, he met me years before he even worked in the business <laughs> because I just hustled up to him at EGX with a, a traffic cone and an iPad and forced him to play Basu- uh, Tuba Hero, uh, which I, I have to say he had misremembered as Bassoon Hero, but I think that's just as good. So <laughs> Bassoon Hero was better as a name, I think. Do you know what? I'm going to take that. It was, yeah. You know, it's all part <laughs> of learning to grow, isn't it? <laughs> so w- when you say you forced him to play... Tuba hero. Well, basically, what I cajoled him into bellowing into the traffic cone and insisting that this was a valid peripheral input for what was happening on screen. Because um, <laughs> I'd done the book with um, all the, the art and it was done by the concept art team at Rebellion Games, um, Rebellion Publishing. Um, Rebellion Games? Rebellion Games. And... Um, they'd also been kind enough to make a looping, uh, like one minute long animation of Tuba Hero gameplay, uh, which I could activate by a little, a hidden button that wasn't visible on the screen, but I could manipulate it in the corner to make the game start and stop. Um, it was quite clever. So even though it was clearly attached with a garden hose, I could make it look vaguely like Liam was playing the game. Did he do well? Uh, I don't, well, no, everyone failed. I think that was the gimmick. (laughs) But he gave it, he gave it a good old roar into the, the traffic cone. And at the end of the day, that's, that's all God can ask of a man. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, it's a small world. After all, it really is. I, 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 I've never met you in that context, Nate. But I, I have been to a few EGXs, so there is a there is a non-zero percent chance I've maybe walked past <laughs> you and thought, "Why? What's that guy doing with a traffic cone?" <laughs> I, I feel like there's a non-zero percent chance at any time in Nate's life that someone walks past him and thinks that. <laughs> yeah, about twenty-three percent.
<laughs> Welcome, listener, to this series two episode. I'm going to say twenty three of the Electronic Wireless Show. Series two episode twenty four of the Electronic Wireless Show. Raw Paper Shotguns PC Gaming Podcast, and the only podcast you need, in my opinion, which is that of Alice Bell. And I am joined, as you can hear, this week by Nate Crowley and James Archer. <laughs> Oh, he's and got the traffic cone but... with him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's my thing now. That's my secret cap. I always have a traffic cone. <laughs> uh, I've been on holiday for two weeks, but now I'm back. Uh, and I gather, hang on, I'm just going to open my inbox here. Uh, for we did have a couple of emails, and I gather that you were talking about a film that had some cops in it that can't talk, hear, or see. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> Is it a real? Couple of people, a couple of people emailed in. They both gave the same answer. Uh, I'm going to read out one here. The cops that can't talk, hear, see, etc. Is that not see no evil, hear no evil, yes! the Richard Pryor, Gene Wilder comedy that isn't yes! as good as the other ones? Yes, that's the one. It's real. <laughs> He's been. Okay, so I'm not going to ask for further context because I haven't listened to it yet. And maybe now I won't. <laughs> I'm just going to imagine what you talked about last I think time. it was a metaphor for for the two of us failing to know something. Or, or maybe, no, each of us having a bit, I don't know. It was a great metaphor, probably. Write in if you know what you said last week. Because <laughs> I don't... <laughs> Oh dear, lads. We can't be expected oh, to no. remember something that happened seven whole days ago. Yeah, right? That's like a century adjusting for inflation. I certainly don't. That's why I'm always confused in like cop mo- movies or TV shows where they're like, where were you two weeks ago when your man died? And they're like, I don't know. And the cops are like, you you guilty son of a bitch. Like, I can't remember what I had for breakfast three days ago. Yeah, this is it. Yeah, we'd be rubbish with alibis. Let's yeah. all make sure that any crimes that occur around us occur around 10.30am on a Tuesday, and then we can all <laughs> remember our alibi. I think I've said this before, but I do genuinely, like, if I hear an unusual noise, or, like, this is how true crime-pilled I am, <laughs> if I hear, like, a bang or whatever, I'll look at, like, my phone to see what time it is in case the noise is to do with the crime. <laughs> that and is... I'm, that's extra. <laughs> and, I, and I end up being like a material witness. To, like I'll look out the window and be like, is there someone running away or something? Or like try and, try and note all details. That is dedication to your craft. I know, yeah. <laughs> it's awful, isn't it? Speaking of being true crime-pilled, uh, I was saying last week I've been really enjoying... Uh, who shat on the floor at my wedding, which I just discovered. Oh, yeah. It was that, did Didn't you I recommend that, that? Well, this is what I was wondering. I was pretty sure it had come up in your recommendations. Yeah, because I listened to it on holiday a few months ago. It's good, isn't it, though? It, well, yeah, I'm afraid to say I've now recommended it as well. <laughs> it's fantastic. Hank is one of the most interesting people I've, I've, <laughs> I've ever encountered, even third hand. I know, I know. We're always talking about hoovering now. Well, I mean... 
Why wouldn't I, you? It's just, it's glorious that the main detective is from New Zealand because the way she says shit. Oh and my she goodness. She Everything she says is great. perfect. <laughs> yeah. Where were you on holiday? It's really great. Uh, when I was listening to this, I oh, was no, in just, just Tenerife. <laughs> on the more, oh, was that when you were in the Hitman Hotel? Yeah. It's good. How was the I Hitman was ability just... of your most recent holiday destination? Uh, well, I was just driving around Ireland in a car, so not great. <laughs> that would make a shit Hitman so, level. <laughs> it would, yeah. Although, like, the scenery is amazing. It's but great. Yeah, but you'd be we stuck in to... the car, wouldn't you, as Agent 47? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, we, we were allowed to get out, I will say that. Oh, that's good. But the, uh, we did the Ring of Curry, and there's a whole bit of um, the sort of a geographical area of Ireland on the west coast called the Burren, and it's amazing. It genuinely looks like a level from a Bethesda game. It's like weird limestone moon rocks. It's honestly incredible. It looks like nothing I've seen on Earth. Do you mean like, a, like f- a Fallout related Bethesda game, or like a a, um, a a Things of Lost Name series? Well, I mean, they all have grey rocks in to an extent. <laughs> They're known um, for it. They are <laughs> known for leaders it. And rocks. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so they it it's basically like an area of limestone rocks, and um, the. The rain, it's very flat and the rain like washes the, the, the like lands on the limestone, dissolves it and dissolves it into like sort of very straight lines. So it mm. looks like a pavement made by a god. It's mad. Is this near the famous hexagonal poles? No, literally the opposite end of the country. <laughs> but both, both look like a god's garden. Nice. Well done, mm. Ireland. I will pass it on, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what have you lads been up to while I've been away? Have you been behaving? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sound of someone <laughs> holding a smoking magnum next yeah. to a shattered toilet. <laughs> it sounds like you've murdered someone and like buried the body in my garden. <laughs> We've been we've been very good boys, haven't we, Nate? Extraordinarily, yeah. Okay, okay, all right. We recorded. Have you, have you? We recorded a very nice podcast. The contents of which we now can't remember. Yeah, which means it has to have been really good. <laughs> I remember we had Will Smith on as a guest, and he had us go on camera, and then shone a little torch at us. But that's the only bit of the episode I remember. <laughs> Oh God, that would be so good. Um, have you got any animal updates for me, Nate? Uh, oh, what's been going on in the beast realm? Um, not a huge amount, if I'm honest. I'm just growing the gobies on. Um, I've, I have now sorted out the goby sitch by... Because all the fish I bought when I went mad in lockdown were all little and they're pretty much all dead now, as I've said, because, you know, they just don't live that long. So uh, I've just been gradually either taking tanks down or filling them with gobies. Um, mm. So yeah, the house is now like a goby museum, but at least they're all happy. Which is the main thing, isn't it? That, is, that is all God can ask of a goby. 
I've I've got no animal updates, although I have seen some good dogs. Have you ever had massive... a, a beast? Uh, when I was living at home, we had dogs all the time. And when I moved out, was with my ex-husband. We had a cat for a while who was an, an idiot. Aww. Just a real no-hoper of a cat. She was great. Then we moved on, didn't have to leave her. If you could have any house pet, and it would come free with a gladiator who would protect you from it if it went mad. Mm. And like a stooge who would do all of the taking care of it. So you just literally get mm-hmm. all the, the plus load. What animal would you have? And this is a question to both of you. Is the gladiator guaranteed to triumph if oh, the yeah, creature he's, attacks me? He's, he's, he's the best gladiator of all time. And he's got okay. a gun. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't know. It's tempting to say like an ape, isn't it? But I wouldn't, because they'd know that they weren't. They like when you see a great ape in a zoo, they look sad because they sort of know they're not meant to be there. So I well, wouldn't do, do want... a bloody twy cross zoo. That's for sure. Shit zoo. That. <laughs> so just have wow. to slam it. Some unexpected animus. <laughs> <laughs> that that was just instant, wasn't it? That was from deep in your yeah. subconscious. Oh fucking um, yeah, mm, girl. Well. Um, but yeah, no, so maybe for, like very ethical play. I appreciate that. Uh, maybe like oh, I don't know. What about an ape that's a philosophical zombie? <laughs> so you know for sure it has no inner life. Yeah, maybe. I don't, oh, I don't know if that's worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, bringing that into existence would be an abomination in itself. <laughs> What about a nice narwhal? Yeah, that'd be quite good, wouldn't it? Or like a charismatic megafauna, like a big a big cat, one of them. What's one? Or I'd like one of those snow leopards that's got massive feet. Oh, yeah. Like bin lids. They're good. Yeah. Good. Yeah, they're good. What about you, James? Uh, has anyone ever domesticated a capybara? Oh, no, but they fucking should. Oh, that's good. Like a giant That's loaf a, of sweet it, bread. Yeah, it, it, it lacks it lacks the I guess the visual comedy element <laughs> of having a massive tiger in your house um, or a, or an undead gorilla. Well, it's uh, kind of like um like a plush ottoman that can move around. I was gonna say it just looks it, like it's a very big footstool, doesn't it? It's very it's a very, very square, square animal. Yeah, I like I like very square. I, li- I like how they constantly look like um not necessarily bored, but just like chill. Like they're yeah. always they're always yeah, yeah. okay with what is happening around them. It's like if there was a, a positive version of ennui. Yeah, like that's what they seem to be consumed <laughs> with, and I think that's cool. Yeah, ennui. Um, <laughs> and in a way, the guinea pig is sort of a spiritual successor. To a- <laughs> you maniac! Finally went and did it <laughs> <laughs> to a capybara. This week our topic is the spiritual successor or the spiritual sequel. Um, we just I'm going to futz about here um, because there are a couple of news stories that came out this week. Um, first of all, that uh, Six Ages is getting a sequel, Six Ages Two: Lights Going Out, which releases on PC and mobile next month. Uh, it is 
a sequel to Six Ages Ride Like the Wind, which is a spiritual successor to King of Dragon Pass. Um, and it's a sort of strat- it's like a storybook strategy RPG where you have to sort of help your society survive for as long as possible, um, but with kind of stacking decisions and uh, emergent storytelling, you know. Uh, I think oh, yeah, one this... event. Sin was yeah, really into yeah. this, right? Yeah, she was, yeah. Uh, Sin yeah. reviewed the Six Ages, the first one, uh, and loved, you know, the seemingly random little events that all kind of pile up. One event has three families arguing over who should adopt a magical baby they found in a river. One of the options is put the baby back in the river, <laughs> <laughs> which it's absurd, but it makes a sort of sense in this society. And uh, the sequel, Six Ages 2 Lights Going Out, is launching on August the 21st. There is a demo that you can download and try for free on Steam now. It's set in the same fancy world of Glorantha, um, but it's um, set 10 generations after the first Six Ages, and it's in a sort of end time, uh, hence the name Lights Going Out. But the developers do say that you don't have to play the Six Ages games in order, they're loosely connected. But um, I think it probably makes more sense to have a go of the first one. But you can have a go of the demo. Um, And also in the news this week, Myst's bundle of re-releases, sequels and successes are all going cheap in the next Humble Bundle. Um, So it's 30 years since the original Myst came out. And uh, I think people have quite divided opinions on whether Myst is good or not. Have either of you played Myst? Oh, no. I have faint memories of, like, just not knowing what to do in it. I think it was before I got in... Hang on, because this... You say 30 years, that would have made it 93, right? Yeah. Yes, that was before I had a PC and I played it at my mate's house because his dad had it and... Yeah, I, I just wandered around for a bit and I'd never done a point to click or anything, so I just didn't know what to do and, and just found it very bland and gave up. It might have been amazing. <laughs> well, uh, I haven't played it either. I should. Uh, and now, if you're like me and James, listener, you can, because the Humble Mist and More bundle packages the titular point and clicker alongside several other sequels, spiritual successes and odd offshoots from developer Cyan Worlds. You can pay anything over seven quid eighty or ten dollars for the eleven game bundle, or if you pay uh, fifteen quid or twenty bucks, you can grab the Mist remake from a couple of years ago. Um, so you've got you know a few things in there. You've got the sequels: Riven, uh, Mist Three Exile, Mist Four, Mist Five. Um, there's uh, other spiritual kind of successes like Abduction. So uh, that is is on sale currently. Um, lads, what is a spiritual successor? Uh, same shit, different boss. <laughs> oh, wait, like- same, same boss, different shit. I don't know. <laughs> well, that's it, isn't it? I, mean, I, yeah. I, like, the, I like the description... I think you, you, you coined Alice, which is like when you want to make a sequel, but you can't get the rights. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's usually that, isn't it? That like you want to make a sequel to a game, but you made the first entry with like, you know, EA and EA won't let you have it back. So then you just go and 
you know, change the name a little bit and then make a whole new thing. So by that definition, would 2010 XCOM technically be a spiritual successor to XCOM? Um, um, from 1993? But it has the same name. Well, you know. I know, I know it but I, th- I, no, it doesn't I have, seem it doesn't to remember have the that hyphen. That's it. It doesn't like, have the dash. Oh, yeah, you're right. Maybe it is. I'm pretty sure That's it's technically change. separate IP. But then, actually, uh, time to make a clarification. Last week, I was pretty sure that uh, Clan Folk, the Rimworld alike I was talking about, had actually been um, solo devved by an eel historian I follow on Twitter. I have to clarify... This was not the case. This is a drastic misunderstanding <laughs> oh, no. by me of a oh, recommendation no. uh, from beloved listener Jeffrey Card, uh, who said Clan Folk was as though Rimworld had been made by at Surprise Deal Historian. <laughs> not actually made oh, no. by Surprise Deal Historian. So I did think that was an extraordinarily like, surprising talent to be revealed. Oh, you got so excited, I could just imagine. <laughs> yeah, I was pumped. Your little face. <laughs> Finally, oh. some true representation. But yeah, sorry, sorry, Jeffrey, and sorry, Surprise Deal Historian, for crediting you with a game you may not even have heard of. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Nate. <laughs> Hey, I, I'm not a journalist anymore. My standards have gone to shit. Just say whatever I want. Yeah. Say you made it. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. Did you know I made Rimworld? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but some, so, so, some surprising games are spiritual sequels. Uh, like, for example, Dark Souls is technically... Demon Souls, a, right? Yeah, so they made Demon Souls, uh, but Sony Interactive held the rights to Demon Souls, so the studio was unable to produce a direct sequel. So they just changed the name very slightly. <laughs> Did you know Portal's technically a spiritual sequel? Is it? Yeah, yeah, 2007's Portal. I found this by Googling it 20 minutes before we went on air, so don't confuse us for actual knowledge. Um but uh, it was a, a spiritual sequel to student group project Narbacula Drop. Um, and the development team oh, would I, eventually be hired by Valve. I don't know if I'm allowing you that one. Yeah. Because they, they just were hired and made the game. <laughs> well, no, because they remade the game in the world of Half-Life. Like, Narbacula Drop had nothing to do with that. But Portal's technically Half-Life canon, isn't it? So that was as if, um, yeah, I, no, I think that's spiritual successor because it's it technically Ooh. in a different IP under a different name under different corporate ownership. But did the did Narbacula Drop ever like come out? Yeah, yeah. I don't think it was like a commercial release, but it was a thing that was finished and and done. Never. No, that's like, wasn't it like a? A student project. It didn't like come out as a game you could buy. I'm no, I, d- very... I don't believe so. But th- no, this is this is think? the kind of lawyering that I, I I think is very powerful on this show, so I'm all for it. <laughs> James, what do you think? Um, uh, I, I I think you can I think you can allow that to be honest. Um, Interesting. 
I, I mean, I, I, guess, I, guess it, like... I guess it depends on... Does a spiritual successor need to take from uh, or be inspired by um, like the original game's setting and tone or by mechanics? Because if it's by mechanics, then it's you know definitely a spiritual sequel. Well, that's, but if, but let's like, look at this through the lens for a cowboy metaphor. Imagine that a wealthy um, business magnate who's just like moved to San Francisco is riding through the ranch lands of, of Southern California and sees a talented young whippersnapper who's made a rudimentary sort of golem cowboy out of beans. Yeah. And he's really impressed. Hey, son, since you did that with beans, what do you think you could do with some real occult technology? And then takes him back to San Francisco where he, you know, gives him loads of, like, Frankenstein (laughs) equipment and he makes a massive cowboy out of, like, girders and wagons. Like, that would be a spiritual successor to the first project, wouldn't it? Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I just feel. Do you know how like you have definitional arguments about what counts as a sport, and like I can't, I can't defend it, but I feel very strongly that darts <laughs> isn't a sport. <laughs> <laughs> but what if the giant girders and wagons cowboy like had the same personality as the the rudimentary one he'd made out of beans? And he'd be like, "Thank you, Mister, for giving me access to all this forbidden technology. Now my cowboy is ten times bit, as real." Because I feel like his his rudimentary beans golem, like, was probably it was not like fully functional, do you know. No, no, it could just sort of say howdy. Whereas, the and because also there was nothing really stopping the 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 <laughs> rich cowboy from calling the new girders and wagons golem now back in the drop if he wanted to. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, this, is, this is getting out of hand. Um, <laughs> this is the schism. This is it. We finally found it. Uh, the the beans heresy. There's um, uh, Bioshock. The Bioshock series is oh, that's System uh, Shock too, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Spiritual System Shock two because EA didn't want to make a third System Shock, and uh, one of the Bioshock men is now making a Bioshock in space called Judas. So that's sort of looping back round again. Um, oh, Supreme Commander to Total Annihilation. That was an incredible spiritual successor. Oh, I've not played Supreme Commander. It's one of Graham's favourites, actually. Um, it's, yeah, it, and it, what I like about that as an example as well is it is a, you know, it's progressed on the formula. It's still, you know, so many things that instantly, like the scale of it and the sort of the pace um, at which you expand and, and hurl millions of units. But they, yeah, they've expanded the scope, added a lot of features to it. You know, it is a, whether it's better or not, obviously is subjective, but it, it's a progression of the formula. It's not just a cover of, of, of the original, which I like. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. Um, we've had a few takes on spiritual successes in, in the last few years. Uh, so stuff like Two Point Hospital. Um, oh, yeah. Is, That's the theme the hospital, hospital, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, which is from uh, Two Point Studios. Uh, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night is a, 
a spiritual successor to the Castlevania series by, uh, I think, one of the devs of that left Konami. He just was like, doing it again. I don't know how well-received Bloodstained was, though. I haven't heard of it. But then again, that's not really my genre. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, of course, there was Ukulele, which was a Banjo-Kazooie with a iguana and a bat. Oh, was that not actually part of the franchise? No. No, oh, not did a damn good job then. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, they're basically direct stand-ins for Banjo and Kazooie. If you were going to make a, a strange animal duo for like a, a collect-a-thon platforming game, what, what two animals would you have? Oh, what a question. I reckon... Um... Goliath beetle and a pig. Skit. <laughs> they'd be called hard shell and snout, and they'd be buddy cops. Ooh, this is a different game now, but I'm into it. And hard or shell would be, be very like... serious, and, and snout would always be like you know mucking about on the job. And it's funny because hard shell is the smaller of the t- the pair. Exactly. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know the trope. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have like a platypus. Because they're just funny. Love them. And then, like, a flying thing is quite good, isn't it? What about a sugar like glider? A platypus and a sugar glider. There you go. This is wicked. They should just put us in charge of choosing the animal pairs for games. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, this one's about a jellyfish and a Satan. <laughs> go. <laughs> Uh, what are some of our favourite spiritual successes? Do we have any? Uh, Deus Ex, maybe, um, as one to System Shock. Ooh. Sy- actually, System Shock has like loads of spiritual successes. Loads, so yeah. Bioshock, Deus Ex, uh, Prey, maybe Dead Space, arguably. Well, yeah, and you can have exactly the same conversation in the RT- RTS side with, like, Gene 2 and the thing that all, oh, I always forget that technically came before Gene 2 and then Command and Conquer, you know, and, and everything that sprung from that and then StarCraft and everything that sprung from that. I mean, you can you can pretty much draw a big, broad family tree with RTSs, I think in terms of spiritual succession, in, in which they are almost all, at least partially, a spiritual successor to something else. So is there a difference that this... Not a true question. If something has enough spiritual successes, is it just influential? Well, when you mentioned Castlevania, I did think of the whole Metroidvania thing, which is weird, because that's, you know, a genre that a is genre. spiritual succession to two games. Mm. I, mean, I don't. I don't. I don't see why it can't be both. Uh, you know the well, in, influential and the source of a spiritual successor. How? How much of the the themes or the style of the originator does a spiritual successor have to have? Though, like how how many generations removed? Uh I, d- I don't know. I don't know if it's necessarily about how many. I think it's maybe about the intent. Um, yeah, I shouldn't have said generations. I was I was mixing metaphors, and I forgot that generation <laughs> is an actual thing in video games. 
Yeah, like um, I, 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 I personally think that a game could just take something very individual. Um, well, not like super duper individual, but like a sing a single aspect or facet, like the a similar setting or a similar, I guess, atmosphere. Um, and as long as the intent was to, I guess, pay tribute to or emulate an original game, I think you could kind of call that a spiritual successor uh, maybe interesting the angle we've missed is what why the hell do we call them spiritual successors like what does a game have a spirit does it have a soul can a game go to heaven <laughs> like well, it's, it's, it's the it's it's the legal thing is it, i think because i think it does arise from when developers can't do the new thing with the same name you know and and so it's a sequel in spirit. Oh, do you know that's really funny? I'd never thought of that use of the word yeah. spirit in this context. I'd always just thought of like popes and ghosts and stuff. <laughs> huh. Well, always. <laughs> yeah, that's all I think about these days. <laughs> like when you go to a pub, and you, <laughs> do you see them as like lots of miniature cardinals lined yeah, up? Yeah, go up to the pope at the bar. Get yeah. a couple of, couple of pints of ectoplasm. Um, yeah. This is just life as a super fan of the band Ghost, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, in, in Cork, it's uh, slang to say that if you're haunted, you've been lucky. So really? Like, uh, like uh, to use it in a sentence, um, if you were trying to get Taylor Swift tickets, which were on sale recently in Ireland... You'd say like, oh yeah, no, we managed to get tickets for one of the nights in Dublin. We were haunted. Like, I we love very that. lucky to get tickets. <laughs> That's really good. good. Well done, Ireland, yeah. again. It's just Cork. It's very specifically Cork, I think. It's good. Okay, yeah, let's, let's limit the credit. That's really good, though. <laughs> thought you'd like that, yeah. yeah. Um, so, Actually, I'll tell you what, it, I've been playing a spiritual successor all week. Have you? Well, let's save that because I think James has as well. So we'll do that in the. Uh, oh, of course, yeah. In the let's order. put that segue back in its, oh. its carry case. Yeah. Okay. Let's. We'll we'll pause that and you can you can <laughs> you can bang that out in a minute. Because I was going to ask if you were going to make a spiritual successor to a game, copy another game's homework and get away with it. <laughs> what, what game would you want to? Would you Ooh. want to do? Oh, this could be my chance to bring Titanfall back from the dead. Ooh. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> what would you call well, it? Well, I could. Mm. Okay. Sorry. We're get, getting sidetracked. Is Apex Legends a spiritual successor to Titanfall, or is it? <laughs> no. Or is it? Is it just? Different. Is it just a success? Is it just like um a, a just, successor? It, it's just an expanded universe. I would. Uh, well, no. It's what? Yeah. What would you call that? An in-universe a- property. Or tonight. Yeah, it's, it's, it's too different, I think. A new IP. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a spizzy C, that's in, for sure. In business speak. Yeah. Uh, what, what would you call your Titanfall ripoff to get away with it? Uh, <laughs> fall of giants. Fall, fall of the robots. Um, <laughs> Here come the big boys. Mech, mecha drop. Bot plummet. Oh, mecha drop. Mecha drop, sick. Yeah. 
That's good. What about you, Nate? Uh, I would... I would... Oh, I'd redo Age of Empires 2, wouldn't I? Only, like... I call it blood blokes. <laughs> It'll be like Draculas. Um, I haven't thought this one through. <laughs> I just blood really blokes. wanted... <laughs> Blood Bloke sounds like a, a fighting game where all the characters are like Danny Dyer. Like, that doesn't, <laughs> yes, that doesn't okay. conjure an RTS. Forget about it. I'm redoing Tekken 3 as blood, Danny Dyer's Blood Blokes. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm also making it in like, even though it's a spiritual sequel to Tekken 3, I'm going to make it yeah. in the mid-90s so it can have awful like sampled sounds. <laughs> and like people wouldn't even know who Jason Statham was back then. He'd just be this sort of grisly avatar turning rustily to camera and saying, You'll get your cup of tea before Yeah, yeah, this is good. Blood blokes. I wanna make it. Alright, there you go. Get in touch anyone who wants to make blood blokes. <laughs> I bet Daniel put his name on it as well. He seems sound. <laughs> um I would do a Vampire the Masquerade. I'd do like a Bloodlines rip-off. Cool Blood because <laughs> Cool Blood Blokes, yeah. <laughs> it's a game about vampires, but they're all Danny Dyer. <laughs> and then there are these werewolves called Dire Wolves that they're fighting against, but they turn into Danny Dyer on the floor. <laughs> Sorry, please tell me about no. your vampire the masquerade idea. No, I like that one better. <laughs> I'm changing. Sure, sure, surely someone's made a, a Bloodlines spiritual successor already. Like, isn't that a highly beloved uh, and is, still quite not- old game? There's not really been, like, a vampire RPG. The trouble is, because vampire is based on a TRPG, like a property, an actual intellectual property. Um, So there have been a bunch of, like, vampire games, but there hasn't been, like, a cool, just like, I am a vampire RPG that's really hit the same, I don't think. Um, So I would do that, and I'd just call it Blood... Yeah, I can't get off the daddy die thing. Just make it the same, and just, like, like... Suffix we'll just ha- every sentence with you slags. <laughs> just combine the game. So like whenever it gets to, because I mean, let's face it, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines was not known for its combat. No. So what if for the combat, it oh. went to this weird bizarro Tekken 3 that I'd be yeah, working yeah, yeah. on. So yeah, I mean, th- this essentially just becomes a very well-developed mini game By in the wider Blood Blokes product. Yeah, I think that's great. <laughs> All right, sorted, sold. There you go. Uh, <laughs> do, Nate, do you want to open your Segway? Oh yeah, let's get that out of the case. Start up the little motor for the two wheels. Um, I've been playing a spiritual successor all week, and I think it's my. I, it's one of those moments where you can confidently say in July you're playing your game of the year. Oh, what is it? It's Dave the Diver. And it's so fucking good. Like, every time 
Like, because I, I find my fatal thing with games the last couple of years is just where I reach a moment where I think I've seen through the smoke and mirrors, I know how it works and how it will probably end and I get bored with it. Every time this threatens to happen with Dave the Diver, it throws a completely unexpected and adorable minigame at me out of left field and I fall back in love with it. And like, at its heart, it is a game where you swim around the sea during the day and run a sushi restaurant specialising in serving the things you've caught at night. So it it it's like a dream I would have anyway. <laughs> and yeah, it's lovely. There's a mini game where you pet a fucking whale because it's sad. It's, that's, that's really nice. I mean, you, you do later happy? butcher a narwhal, but you know. <laughs> but that's the harsh reality of the sea. Um, the circle of life. It really is. And it's beautifully written. Um, the plot goes absolutely bananas, but in a way that's weirdly compelling and somehow convincing, um, even though it gets into real quite batshit fantasy territory. Uh, yeah, it's it's something in, entirely original. Um, but at the same time, it's exactly like Stardew Valley. Like, the feeling of playing it is identical to the feeling of playing Stardew Valley with the way that you sort of, you know, the rhythm of your day is set up and just as you start to get tired of one mode of of play, it sticks you into another. Um, it's got the same sort of faux 16-bit um, art style. Uh, there is even, later on in the game, you unlock a vegetable garden where you grow rice and and vegetable That's sushi cool. ingredients and things. And it's just like Stardew Valley. It's got charming NPCs in the same way. There's a fish farm you can run. There's a fish farm. I'm mass breeding mega mouth sharks. It, it, it's like my real life. Oh, mate, so good. Oh, I'm very happy for you. I should give it a go. I didn't know that about it. You would really like it, it definitely. Thank you, yeah. Uh, James, you've been playing a spiritual successor as well i believe uh Have yeah I, I i think so so I, i've been playing viewfinder which um I, i've i've read is kind of a spiritual successor to super liminal um if i sound which is the one where you is that the one where you put objects in front of other objects yeah. so they appear bigger yeah yeah, yeah. yeah and then yeah, and yeah, then they and similar. then they literally become bigger and then you use that to kind of yeah, move move about a bit. Um, so yeah, um, if I sound unsure, it's just because I I haven't played super superliminal, but I I watched the video and yeah, it it just seems super similar. Um, in viewfinder, you um you basically pick up pictures, um or take photos um on a Polaroid and then hold them up and then press a button and then they become like the they enter real space, um and become you know part of the. Part of the geometry which you can walk around and uh, use to solve puzzles, um, and yeah, it's 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 also really good. Um, it's kind of I I when I when I first saw it uh, in as part of uh, the indie uh, uh, day of the devs, sorry, um, like the in, the indie part of um, Jeff Fest. Uh, it, I thought it looked cool, but I, it was also it seemed to be just like you would use these photos just to. Basically, to like create bridges or something. Like if you, yeah, like like if you if you have a picture of just a, a flat bit of ground and then you hold it up mm. in between a gap and then oh you've made a bridge. Um, I thought it'd just be like 
like that and and you know cle cle technically clever but also quite simple um but it's actually like really surprised me with just how many different uh twists and like new new ways of of manipulating the space that they actually come up with um well, yeah. that sounds like a nice refreshing drink for the brain that does yeah yeah um a lot a lot of it is um like very very superliminal um perspective uh based stuff so there's a oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, I, i've there's a few puzzles in the middle which um aren't aren't about like finding and holding up a photo they're about um that they they're, they're kind of like broken broken pieces of an image in in the level and you have to move and and look at them from such a certain angle that they form a complete picture and then once you do that then they form you know the the real yeah the the Ooh. real object which used to progress so that that's like that's very superliminal um but if it, and it really opens up when you get the camera because then then it becomes a lot more freeform but you have to think you, know, you have to think more carefully about what what do you what do you need to progress um mm. almost like what what kind of what kind of shape do you need um and then you have to like try and try and find that in a level and um take a picture of it and then use that uh to transpose into reality um so is there so quite a lot of you know that thing like it happens a lot in sort of movies where people are looking for treasure and things where there'll be like a load of rocks or something but then a pointer will lead them to stand in a certain place and look at light coming down from a certain angle and it'll be like the pope and a ghost or something <laughs> Uh, is yeah, is, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it it's not like yeah it, it's not a super integral it's it's one of several i guess puzzling um i don't know tricks that it that it pulls um it's not the it's not the only one but yeah it's oh, uh it does sound good mm, it does sound good and um it's yeah I, i've just been really really enjoying it it's not um as difficult or like tricky as say I don't know. Some of the like harder portal or portal two levels, maybe. Um, I, like you can. I, I've been moving through it at a at a fair click, and I'm not particularly good with puzzles. Um, but it, but is it, it divided it's still, like, up into levels, or is it a continuous world that you move through, encountering different things to to unlock the way? Oh, it's it's very um, yeah segmented into levels, um, and you can. Oh, yeah, I like that. And you can go and you can go back and replay them uh, wherever. From a from a little that hub. That sounds good. Yeah, it's just really it's really really nice. It's got a cat in it, like an interdimensional cat you can pet. Oh, well, that's all right. That's good for for a nice bonus. Um, although unfortunately you you cannot take photos of the cat and then clo oh. and then clone the cat by <laughs> by uh, <laughs> copy. That 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 is a, that that was another like clever puzzle solution. Um, like if if you need two batteries to open the door, like you put a battery down and you take a photo of the battery and then you steal that battery from the photo. Um, huh. there's, there's cl cl clever stuff like that. You think, oh, that's 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 smart. I like that. There's a nice um, cat in Dave the Diver as well. Actually, I give it a little bit of bit of dinner every time I, I go into work at the restaurant at night. No, do you Ooh. feed him feed him bits of narwhal? No, the sad bit <laughs> is. This is the weirdest thing in the game. You can only feed the cat tins of cat food, which you find under the sea. <laughs> so, oh my god! 
That's very Stardew Valley. It feels like such a deliberate missing of a trick that I actually adore it as a design decision. <laughs> uh, I have been playing a game that sadly does not have a cat in it. It's called Lakeburg Legacies and it is a sort of town management sim thing um, that I sort of quite like um, but wish I liked more. Um, it does some interesting stuff. Um, the idea is that you need to make sure that there are always people living in Lakeburg. It's like any, you know, kind of town builder thing. Um, but uh, the difference is that the town development and like building the buildings and, you know, setting up supply chains and stuff, that's all quite streamlined. You don't get to choose where you put any buildings. You have three tracks of things to build that are raw materials, pro like process materials that's not the word it uses and then just other stuff basically <laughs> yeah and is it kind of limited like frostpunk in terms of where you can put things or even uh, more limited than that no more limited in that like if you pick right okay i am now i have enough wood to build the farm and you click build farm and then the farm will appear ah, where it's okay. supposed to go so it's a very, and i like it because i'm terrible at town planning and i never make a nice looking town you know so this does that for me and it looks very nice you can build a castle and progress to like having an inn and things like that once you build a building so once you build you know this the seam the what do you call it tailors yeah um the people will want what that building produces so if you do not produce enough socks to supply the whole population then they will become sad because they're not getting the socks and they can see the sock shop right there so you have to sort of think about that um so instead what you what you do is look at where do i need to put my resource which is basically your workers and the process of doing that is quite interesting because where it has streamlined the building and all the supply chains and everything is put more complexity into the people themselves so yeah. rather than you just build a bunch of houses and then people will come and fill up the number of spaces in there, like, you know, in your pharaohs or your whatever. It's very bespoke. So you get people to come and live in your town either by paying them money to move or the cheaper option, getting them to marry someone who already lives there. And there's like a whole little dating mini game, which kind of becomes a bit tedious. We have to get, you know, get them on a successful date and then they'll be like, cool, I'm going to marry, you know. Billy bum cloths, um, and so the people are quite deeply modelled. Yes, there's quite a bit. I think it's RNG enus because they have likes and dislikes, and they have a few jobs that they'd be better at, and they have a career track that they'd really like to do. So maybe someone would be pretty good at working in that. Like they get a star rating whenever you open up a building that produces something. You can see how much they would produce by the star rating that they have if you put them in that job some people are terrible at you know most things but they would be a really good dancer or innkeeper and if you don't have an in, an in yet for them to do that in then they're just kind of useless right uh, some people maybe would be really good working in like the hunters or the bakers but they really want to be a farmer and that'll make them happy if you put them to work in the farm so um, this is this is not dissimilar to to you know the, the system in sort of a rim world thing, but I find that you know once I've got more than sort of five or six people, it's so hard to keep track of this stuff. But yeah. by the sounds of it, you're dealing with a decent sized population with Lakeburg. 
I've got about 40 people. Okay, interesting. In in a mid-sized game, you've got about 40 people. Problem is that you just end up ignoring (laughs) because the idea is it's supposed to be about, you know, love is a resource and like successful couples generate love, which you can use to do more medieval speed dating, you know, and... (laughs) and force if another couple is on the ropes you can just mend it by clicking like buy a present and it costs like 500 love or whatever but love is produced so much that it becomes essentially useless and other res- the other resource that you kind of need especially early on is money which is generated really slowly until you have a castle so as a republican it pains me to say it but you should get a castle in a royal family because <laughs> um, the money is what you use to make your buildings more efficient uh and nicer places to work right and, and you generate it so slowly and it's just just bec- like you just you can just ignore all the relationship stuff because in the end like what is the the negative to getting like, like basically when you do the dating mini game you're like well they're not going to get on but i really need a fisherman so you can come and live in the village and if you split up i'll just build you a new house you know like there's no real downside that's such a, a couple breaking up a yeah. common balance problem with games isn't it when you've got two two different ways of achieving the same thing as yeah. soon as you recognize which one doesn't have the bottlenecks yeah you'll never touch yeah. the other system exactly and so like because the love side of the game doesn't actually have a long term like no real long term effect on the expansion or prosperity side it just doesn't matter at all i mean maybe the whole thing's a really bleak moral lesson i know i think i said in my review that in some sense uh it's sort of a cyber it's almost you know a dystopian uh, thing where <laughs> these people's lives are run by a higher intelligence that's completely disinterested and doing everything just on a whim, including dictating who you shag and, you know, when you have children. Money can't and, buy you love, but that doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> there's all this stuff, like, it's got, it has good ideas and it's quite impressive that it's modelled, you know, random events that, you know, maybe uh, t- two people are spraying graffiti around the town and do I say like hey that graffiti's cool and then they'll get like a, you know a plus 10% creative trait or whatever or like uh, marriage isn't going well and I could be like you know just keep working at it and then one of them will get plus 10% frustrated or whatever but that doesn't I can't see the effect that has you know yeah, yeah. in terms of how good they are at making leather like so it's just a bit kind of disappointing really but it's doing some interesting stuff and i really like the you have no choice over where anything is as a kind of part of. there's actually quite freeing isn't it yeah yeah so i enjoyed that i'd like to see more things experiment with that i think it needs a bit of rebalancing basically the game but um yeah lakeberg legacies um shall we move on then to talking about some hardware. It's a good day to wear uh, hard. <laughs> Yee hardware. That's a new one. Yee hardware's great. Oh yeah, I'm happy with that. <laughs> uh, so I do have to do some slightly elaborate setup slash context explainerizing for the topic of actual okay. podcast appropriate discussion I have in mind. Uh, so bear with me for a moment. Basically, uh, we've learned a bit more about the PC hardware features that are coming to the PC port of Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart. 
uh, which includes direct storage. That's the low time cutting uh, thingamabob that we only previously seen in Forspoken. Uh, and also the system requirements, which confirm that you can run it off a hard drive. Uh, that's more notable than it would be for pretty much all other games, because when Rift Apart originally came out for the PS5, Sony and Insomniac were very, like, bigging, they're bigging up that this, like, the dimension hopping um, aspect of the game could only work on, like, a very high-end SSD like the PS5 has, uh, because the hard drive apparently would not be able to load the world in fast enough to do the, like, interdimensional traveling stuff. Um, Annoyingly, Rift Apart were released on the sing- on PC on the single day between us recording this and the episode actually publishing. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> uh, so there, there should already be answered to this, but it will be interesting to see like how um, that um, dimension hopping loading stuff uh, works on a slow hard drive. I don't know if they might stretch out the transition with a flash of light or something that covers the screen, or maybe direct storage will speed it up. Uh, we'll have to see. Um, this is like ostensibly good news it's not like starfield saying this game absolutely needs an ssd to run um mm. even so the possibility is there for this get for rift apart to simply play worse when it's on a hard drive um not just in the sense that you're on loading screens for longer but that it could affect how it plays moment to moment uh so between that and the fact that ssds are now so close to hard drives on price you can get like a good one terabyte um, NVMe SSD for only about six quid more than a one terabyte hard drive. Um, are we now approaching the death of the mechanical hard drive? Should we? In, should is it in fact reasonable and acceptable for game developers to assume players will have an SSD on their PCs and make that a requirement? I don't know. But I does the mechanical hard drive need to die? I it hmm. It's not. It, I don't know if like the world would benefit directly from like the hard drive going away. It's just that there is a there is a wholly, <laughs> pretty much wholly superior alternative. Um, so this is horses and so trains. Kind of, yeah. Um, or it's maybe it's maybe like. Why are people still? Why are cow, why are cowboys still eating beans of their hands when we've invented the spoon? I see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So should bean manufacturers keep putting skin lotion in the bean juice <laughs> so that it helps with their leathery, callous palms? Or should they just assume that everyone's going to you know do the civilized thing now that forks are available? Hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah. I I I I struggle with this myself because. Um, or it, like in an in an ideal world, like ev- everyone should be able to play anything, um, like on any reasonable hardware setup, and shouldn't necessarily have to keep upgrading all the time and spending money on new hardware, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But also, hard drives are crap. <laughs> Please stop using them. <laughs> yeah, they are a lot worse. <laughs> They're so much worse. Like, uh, like Alice. Um, I remember, I remember when you were playing Forspoken. Um, yeah. On a hard drive, and it took like, what, like ten seconds to open a map. It took fifteen seconds to open 15 the map. Fifteen seconds yeah. to open a map. Yeah. But I just didn't have enough. Sp- my my SSD wasn't big enough. So 
But even on the SSD, because I, I played it a little bit on there and it was faster, but it wasn't faster by much. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the, 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 good, the, good, the, the good thing for hard drives is it is, it is, it is cheaper and more like, price efficient to get like, massive capacities if you want, I don't know, four terabytes or eight terabytes or something. Um, maybe you, I don't know, edit video as a hobby or something like that and, mm. you, and you need loads, loads and loads of space. Um, but for just a kind of like bog standard gaming PC, like you can get, yeah, it's like I said, like you can get a one terabyte S- SSD for more or less the price of a hard drive, and that will be that will hold like several dozen games probably. Mm. So, yeah, well, yeah, it sounds like massive mechanical hard drives is going to be, yeah, something that specialists can buy. Yeah, it's a, it's a niche, it's a niche product when it used to be, I guess the like go to accessible option well and uh, on that note i've just got a new pc a new mid-range pc for work because we were doing a, an, a, an audit of the specs of everyone's pcs on rps and i had the worst pc by far <laughs> of anyone anyone rps and it got delivered and thank you james for because i because like some of the internal bits had sort of come loose in shipping <laughs> so i was just sending james videos Al- like, alice, alice, alice is understating this stuff. alice is understating this slightly that the, her cpu cooler had fallen off um, <laughs> the entire <laughs> unit so i was like james just a bit like I was just putting my my camera inside the case and being like, okay, I'm poking bits and being like, what's going on? So thank you. It's like much. it's like watching a it's like watching a surgical camera. Um, <laughs> yeah, doing <laughs> a high part. I quite bypass. liked it. I liked it in the end. It was it was fun. It was like a puzzle. Yeah, like a jigsaw. Uh, kind of like the bomb diffusing game. Yeah, it was like that. Yeah. And although I didn't do any of the, I didn't wear like a static bracelet or any of that shit. <laughs> you meant to? No, you don't. You don't need a static bracelet. Jesus Christ! So, someone, <laughs> someone had a go at me and our um how to build a PC video because I was doing it standing on carpet, like as if it were an electrified floor from <laughs> well a Ratchet and Clank game, perhaps. No, like it's, it, it's fine. You can you can mitigate risk like that. You don't need to buy expensive anti-static <laughs> gubbins. Not like yeah. that low level in hard shell and snout where they have to hike through the big microwave. <laughs> <laughs> Their lead umbrellas. <laughs> the banter in that level is out of this world. Uh, well, thank you, James. Speaking of banter, shall we do a quick? Tower of Jocularity. Please, yeah. Actually, if you'd like to come downstairs today. Ooh. Ooh. It's, it's like a tower, but it's like the tower in Jeff Vandermeer's uh, Southern Reach, where it's a tower going into the earth. Um, but Is not as like foreboding a as that. Tower. Is there a big slug writing things about apes and beans on the wall? Yeah, I'm afraid so. And there's a sort of a screaming lighthouse keeper and a bear with a skeleton coming out of it. Um, <laughs> this is a spiritual successor to Annihilation. No, uh, actually, <laughs> it's, a, it's a fish market down here. Um, uh, I've just been diving, actually. Uh, and I've caught, uh, I've been doing some tropical freshwater diving. I've caught a lot of fish. And you are the mungers. Uh, and as be your trainee nice. mungers. So I'm going to 
I'm going to present to you some of the animals that I've hauled out of the depths. And I'd like you to offer me, each offer me a price on them. The nearest to the retail price on simstropicalfish.co.uk and or sedgleyaquatics.co.uk forward slash fish forward slash fish stock lists <laughs> will be the winner. Okay? Okay. <laughs> so what have I got first? Well, I've got an axolotl, Alice. I know you like those. <gasps> I love axolotls. And this is an absolutely Standarunis wild-coloured axolotl Ambistoma mexicanum, five centimetres, so it's still a juvenile. Uh, but it's got that lovely natural black-brown colouring. Uh, what are you going to offer me for that? For a little swimming potato. Little girl boy. <sighs> I don't know, yeah. because... They're small, but they're they're... rare, presumably. Well... Compared to like a I, trout, I I have no frame of reference for how much fish. <laughs> so these are okay. So a few economic facts: axolotls are in fact extinct in the wild, considering their well, ne- oh, very nearly extinct, considering their range of just a few canals in Mexico City. Uh, the Aztecs used to eat them in tamales; they were a, uh, a staple food stuff. But these days, not so much. However, thanks to the seventeen individuals. Uh, moved to the Jardin de Plantes in Paris in 1826. We now have a vast captive bred population. They're some of the most commonly used uh, lab animals in the world. And in fact, the only amphibian it's legal to import into Australia because they wouldn't have a fucking chance there. <laughs> What's that worth to you? Go on, I mean, give me a price. This all sounds spenny. What What unit of currency? Pans. Pans. Pans I see. Silly. I think the little potato-coloured ones will be less expensive than the pretty pink ones. You're correct. So I'm gonna say, um, I'm I'm gonna give you fifty quid for an axolotl. All right, James. What what can you do? Uh, I, Bear I, in mind, I will give it to the person with the nearest to the retail price because I have no commercial sense. <laughs> I, so I, I still I, I still think this is a premium fish. I'm going to go two hundred pounds. It's thirty pounds. Uh, yeah! An albino <laughs> one would have been fifty pounds. So well done. I should Good not job. go fish shopping in real life. Yeah, I, I would <laughs> rinse you, mate. <laughs> Seventy pounds for your finest goldfish. Sir. So here is uh, a rainbow crab, Cardosoma armatum. So if you've ever seen. The Crab Rave video, or the, I think, the cover of Prodigy's Fat of the Land. Uh, no, that's a fiddler. Sorry, this is a rainbow crab, but it's, it's red. It's got a blue body, 10 centimetres across, and wild caught. Wild so, caught. So, uh, what's that worth to you? God, I don't know. Uh, I, it's I, a crab that some... fit in your palm. A little crab fit in your palm. <laughs> I had I had some frame of reference for axolotls because they I like them, and I knew someone who had a wild coloured axolotl who was called Spud. Um, oh, I know he's good. He let me feed Spud once, and it, Spud did that. I dropped like a bit of food in, and Spud did that thing where he watched it float past and then went um about two seconds too late. Um, oh, like Sonic the Hedgehog eating an air bubble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it's pretty crab, red legs, blue top, you know, kind of retro aesthetic, crab-wise. 
I, James, I, what do you reckon? Give me a, you. I've, I've, I, I actually, you, I, this. I actually, ha- I have a frame of reference for this. Um, I'm trying to um, reclaim from my mind bank because um, I, <laughs> I, I remember, I, I, I have been in. Um, I remember, I remember going to a fish market in like Mallorca or somewhere when I was a kid that was selling. Um, like math, these very fancy-looking live crabs. Um, I remember. I remember because one of them like got loose uh, without its. Oh yes. Without its claw rubber bands on, <laughs> and it was like going around on the floor. People, <laughs> people were literally screaming, and the fishmonger manning manning the stand was being like, "Get back, get back!" as if the crab <laughs> had a knife or something. I love uh, it when crabs are loose. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think I don't think it's going to be that much. Um, it's not like a it's not like a king crab. It's the it's just. A Bear in mind, I this think. is a crab to keep as a friend and companion and possibly advisor. Mm. How long do than... these crabs live? Oh, those ones. I think four or five years. I can like eleven, twelve pounds. Alrighty. Interesting. What are you going to say? Okay. Eleven or twelve? Eleven. All right. I I'm going to say. A bit more, I'm going to say 20. Well, this one is solidly with James, because they are a stout tenor. Oh. Bloody hell. They are a steel. Good job, memory pounds. crab. Well done, yeah. yeah. <laughs> redeemed, okay, let's... I redeemed myself after wildly overvaluing uh, <laughs> the Mexican fish. Let's go for an aquarium classic, the Neon Tetra. Actually, a cardinal tetra, which is the same, but the red stripe is all along the body. So about two centimetres long, parachyridon axle rhodi, of course, and you get six of them (laughs) in a bundle. Uh, What's that going to be? Six little neon tetras. I think think a quid each, six pounds. Oh, jeez. Oh, God. Okay, I'm trying to think because... Dr. Bargain's over here. (sighs) Because I'm pretty sure my brother... Because my... My little brother went through a phase of having loads of top, tropical fish. Um, oh. Remember, you're getting six as a bundle. Six so as a bundle. James is opting for exceedingly low unit cost, but no discount. Okay, okay, okay. Six of them. What did you say, James? I, six, I said okay. six pounds, which I, I now feel might be... Uh, you can put in a revised guess because that, that was a little, you know, pound of fish. Hang on, don't listen. He, t- he offered you six quid. <laughs> yeah, but then I said it was a drastically low unit price, which gave you an advantage. So actually, do you know what? I've I've ruined this one. It's twenty I, pounds I, for the six. I was going to say I was going to say twelve. I was going to say two two pound of fish. I was going to revise my guess to twenty pounds. Ah, right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's let's go berserk. Let's okay. let's throw the rest of the stuff in a skip and let's get to the big business because I've got some hyper fish, some absolute pond kings for you to check <laughs> out. So we're looking at wild prices here, Ooh. and I'm going to kick off with Ooh. a peacock snakehead, Chanabaka. It's two foot long and it's wild caught. This guy is from Southeast Asia. Imagine like a cucumber that's been given the power of all the gods and like the aggression to go with it. 
He's got a wonderful green and blue speckled body, uh, orange and blue fanned fins, and a mean expression. What? What's the temperament? To, is he mean to go with the expression? Blood blokes. Or? Pure blood blokes. <laughs> okay, okay. I think that raises the price a bit. I think, I think the, the, the price for this, I will tell you, is in four digits. Yeesh. Okay, four. Okay, four digits for a fish. Jeez, how long does it live? Centuries. No, I mean, a couple of decades. I think with a snakehead. Okay, it's okay. not just for Christmas. Okay, what I'm Ooh. thinking of, like the return on investment. Okay. Ah. <laughs> uh, it can't be that high. Fuck. Four digits, so it's still just a fish. Yeah, yeah, me, yeah. Try me, man. Try me. I think one. I'm going to go with one thousand five hundred pounds. Oh, I was going to say that. Shit. All right, fuck it. Um, <laughs> two grand. <laughs> Four thousand pounds. For a Shut fish! Up. For a fish! We need to go deeper. If I you, have if here. You, if any listeners have paid £4,000 for a fish, please write in. Um, because I, I need proof that you these people exist. Yeah, if you have a... a fish that cost you that much send in a picture like a ransom note (laughs) (laughs) so here we have arapaima gigas the world's largest freshwater fish comes from the amazon they can reach apocryphally up to 10 feet long they breathe air one can leap out of the water with enough force to crack a man's sternum oh my how how do they know that (laughs) who's testing that (laughs) It's happened. It nearly happened to Jeremy Wade off of River Monsters. Oh my god. Just stand here. Just stand here. <laughs> I'll just stir him out. Just just stir him over the water, mate. <laughs> what? No, it's no it's fine. Just don't. So this one, okay, this, bear in mind, gets ten feet long. This one's only twelve centimetres long. But okay. it's pure white. Not albino, it's a uh, platinum, so technically a, a variation on, I think, xanthic. It's got black eyes, but other than that, it's, okay, yeah, so it's white up, as a ghost. Up and coming fish. This is it, 12 centimetres long, but it will live a very long time, so don't even worry about return on investment here, and it could grow to 10 foot long. You'll probably need, you know, a, a public aquarium to house it, yeah, yeah, or an outdoor like heated lake. But this is the this is the priciest fish on simstropicalfish.co.uk. Can a person buy it like a private collection? Only the emperor of like- mankind is permitted to, to own this fish. But <laughs> is, no. Is, it like, is this like a zoo fish, you know? Oh, no, no. And anyone can try and buy it. All right. The most expensive fish. Okay. Oh, shit. Um, Just for the thrill, I'm actually hovering my mouse cursor over the add to cart <laughs> button just to get the adrenaline coursing through my body. Okay. Okay. Can I can I ask a question of, about the comparable? Yeah. Is this... Is it less than what you need for a deposit for a mortgage? 10 years ago. It's close enough that I'm having to think hard about it. 
Okay. I'm going to say 25 grand. James, what will you give me for this Christ of a fish? Oh, man. I was thinking like maybe like 12,000 but if it's like the if it's the most expensive fish it's got to be more than that i reckon i'm going to say 20,000 it's 50,000 pounds <laughs> shut the front door but Who then, is spaffing that much for money for a juvenile how much is a fully can you get a fully grown one yeah i mean just for is some context like folks half a there mil? are there are like extremely like um, thoroughbred Asian arowana fish that sell for more than quarter of a million, uh, and the market is almost entirely fish tanks in um, Chinese casinos because they're seen as a hugely lucky fish, um, and yeah, they they go for a vast amount of money, and some of the color morphs are incomprehensibly beautiful but yeah a lot of cash a lot of cash to blow on a fish mm. uh, i'll give Jesus each of you a free crab for playing <laughs> worth 10 pounds thank yeah thank you yeah <laughs> cheers <laughs> fucking hell does a fish give you a back massage and suck you off as well does it <laughs> <laughs> yes Christ. so if you'd please give me some privacy <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no. <laughs> it was just rendered <laughs> and commonly crude by the big flabbergasted <laughs> at the price of that fish. <laughs> Quick, it's going to happen before I say something that gets us cancelled in perpetuity. Good trip. Cannot believe that. Oh, quick, let's do some recommendations. Let's do some recommendations. I can't believe I got so invested in that fish segment that's got nothing to do with games at all. That was good. We'll do that one again for sure. Yeah, every week. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, James, what are you recommending this week? Uh, I, my recommendation this week is for any cat-owning listeners of EWS, specifically those who are not averse to drugging their cat, uh, because it is <laughs> Willow, Willow's Liquid Catnip Spray. Uh, does what it says on the tin. It is catnip in liquid form in a spray bottle. And what I like about it compared to... Dr- <laughs> I'm really sorry. I'm just, you know those awful guys who have like tender pictures of them with heavily sedated tigers. And t- I'm just imagining you posing proudly with a house cat that's being catnipped. Sorry. <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think it's that strong. Um, but what what, <laughs> what, I, what I like about having like an aerosol catnip um, compared to dried catnip is you can essentially use it to turn any object in your house into, in the cat size, um, the most interesting <laughs> and joyful thing in existence. So if you have say an old toy that they've lost interest in, and you just spray it with the old willows, and it become their favorite for minutes upon minutes. Um, that is lovely. Yeah. Is the effect the same with older cats as with younger? Um, well, I've I've only used it on uh, my cat, who is uh, fourteen. Um, oh, so good old yeah. age, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is this recommendation. This recommendation actually comes about because um, a couple of nights ago, my cat s- started scratching very loudly on our bedroom door at four a.m. and <laughs> do- dosing her toys uh, was the only way I found to just 
to distract her long enough for me to go back to sleep. Oh my God. Well, I don't know if you heard, Turkey Boy was having a mad roar at my door about half an hour ago. I, so I, I did hear that. Um, I Liam, might get Liam, leave that in, it's weed. funny. Yeah, yeah leave please. The cat in, Liam. If anything, amplify it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to recommend... Um, oh, I was thinking about it just now. Oh, this always happens, doesn't it? Um, oh, yeah, the new series of What We Do in the Shadows... Is fantastic. I think I recommended the last two series when they came out. It has got such consistency um, for a high-budget comedy, um, you know, which tend to have a habit of falling flat on their faces. But yeah, we just finished, I think it's the fourth season, last night. Um, and yeah, we just got the feeling the the actors would seem to be having a huge amount of fun chewing the scenery in this one, even more than usual. Um, and yeah, very, we, we did many lols. Lovely. Uh, I'm going to recommend... Uh, I did go and see one of the big films that's out at the moment. I went to see Barbie. It was very good. Um, but I'm actually going to recommend something completely different. Uh, it's called Bad Sisters. It's a series on, I think, Apple Plus. And it is about a family of five... Um, how many are there? One, two, three. Yeah, five sisters. One of them is married to... Uh, an awful abusive husband uh, played by Klaus Harry Dracula Bang. Um, and the four other sisters uh, plan to decide to kill him and fail a lot. Uh, it's very good. And it's set after, like, the first scene is him dead in his coffin, getting ready for the funeral, basically. And oh, so wow. the rest of the series, you're like, what happened? Who killed him? How did he die? And it's also got some sort of um, comic relief clownery from uh, Brian Gleeson as the insurance salesman trying to stop their claim. It's very good. Nice. Highly recommend. What was that called again? Bad Sisters. Very good dark comedy. Splendid. So that is about it for this week's episode of the Electronic Wireless Show, Series 2, Episode 24 of Rock Paper Shotgun's PC Gaming Podcast with Fish. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the only podcast you need uh, thank you so much for listening you can email in with questions suggestions feedback and pictures of your fish to support at rockpapershotgun not support that's if you need help <laughs> deluge them you with do. pictures of fish I'm gonna say that you again do, you Sorry. do need help if you spent 50 grand on a fish <laughs> you can you need help the- climbing down from God's throne you can <laughs> questions, suggestions feedback and pictures of your fish to podcast <laughs> at rockpapershotgun.com you can also put pictures of your fish in the discord the link to join the discord is in the show notes there's lots of fun happening there all the time you can also uh, find more Rock Paper Shotgun on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter and TikTok you just search Rock Paper Shotgun and you can of course Listen to our sister podcast, the Indie Discovery Podcast, where some other members of staff talk about their favourite indie games ever. And you can, for all your PC gaming needs, go to www.rockpapershotgun.com. But for now, it is goodbye from me, Alice Bell. It's goodbye from Nate Crowley. Bye-bye. And it's goodbye from James Archer. Goodbye. Bye. Bye-bye. 